can't possibly be in a bad mood with a tiara on your head. I mean, you just can't. So it kind of informally started then. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Making of a Diva. I'm Erica Sherrick, your host. And today I am going to share my story. And we're going to we're going to do the the Reader's Digest version because nobody has this much time to listen to whatever. So um, last week I kind of touched upon, you know, some of some of my stuff, but um, I just want to which I want you to get a feel for for who I am and, and kind of we're going to get to know each other. I want I want you to just like when you hear me, I want you to be like, oh, my God, she's like a real person. Um, so I was born and raised in South Jersey, and there is a huge difference between living in South Jersey and, and North Jersey. Um, if you are from New Jersey, you know that. Um, I was born in Willingboro. Um, I was raised part of the time in Hamilton, and then um, the rest of my my childhood um, in Willingboro. So I graduated high school from Willingboro, and then I went into the Air Force. So I did I did the Air Force thing because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. Um, the Air Force was and me did not get along very well. So as everyone's always like, thank you for your service. I'm like, if you only knew, I was always in trouble. So I spent a lot. I learned a lot in the Air Force. <laughs> um, um, so, you know, I, I, I did that. I got out. Um, but while I was in the Air Force, I did get married. Um, I had my son. Um, shortly after we got back, uh, we were stationed in Italy for a couple of years. Uh, once we got back to the States, uh, we went, to, we were lived in Texas in San Antonio. And shortly after that got divorced. Um, I moved up to Kentucky where my mother and stepfather were living in Kentucky is where I met my current husband. And we've been together for 27 years, something crazy like that. Um, and then he was in college and I, um, yeah, it was a blind date. It was kind of, it was, it was very, very ooky situation, but needless to say, we got married, moved to Colorado. Um, and that's when I started doing um, administrative work. Well, I guess, I guess before then, um, when I was in Kentucky, I did, um, some trade shows and stuff, uh, did some of the, the coordinating for that. And then, um, when we moved to Colorado, you know, I, I loved it. I love that stuff, but it's getting into events is, is really not easy. At least it wasn't back then. Um, it still isn't now, but I I did, you know, the administrative assistant, the office manager, and I always ended up taking on all the events and stuff. So I did a couple stints um, in travel industry, meat industry. Um, gosh, what else did I work in? Healthcare industry. Um 
and the computer industry and staffing industry. So those were kind of, and, and in each one of those roles, I ended up taking on events. And there was a time in there that I actually did virtual events. Um, that was probably the the biggest, oh my gosh, it was the most exciting. I loved it. Um, that's when I really fell in love with, with doing events and stuff. And um, did that for for six years and then in 2012 after my dad died then i i quit decided i was going to take a little break and find myself and and um try to figure out what i wanted to do which is when the whole blog making of a diva came up um if you see i'm wearing um, i'm holding a tiara in my in the in the logo and the tiara everybody has this misconception that I started Tiara Tuesdays after the cancer thing happened. And that is very untrue. I actually started Tiara Tuesdays. Oh gosh. It had to be 2011, um, which actually it started before I even knew it Uh, in, in 20, gosh, I think it was like 2003, 2004, I was working at um, at a place and my cubicle mate, when I was leaving to go work events, it was kind of like making the big time, they gave me a tiara. And it was my first tiara ever. And it was kind of like this huge, big deal. And I was like, I cried. It was, it was amazing. And I used to wear it around. And um, then after... I had some health issues and, and I would get depressed. And, um, so probably 2009, my son graduated from high school and I started wearing tear around the house every time I got depressed because you can't possibly be in a bad mood with a tear on your head. I mean, you just can't. So it kind of informally started then. And then I had surgery, um, I had a couple surgeries going on and then that's when it kind of like, I got my first like real Tierra. Um, and then I got some of my, my sister-in-law and, um, my husband's cousin, we kind of, you know, we have the Sherrick Royal Tierra and, and all this kind of just happened. Well, once I, yes. Oh, and, and when I was moving, when I was packing up the house, um, before we moved up to Montana, um, my husband had already moved up there and I would pack the house up wearing a tiara and I have pictures because I was so stressed out and I was so upset. (laughs) I so didn't want to do it. So I, it made me feel better. So Fast forward, um, I made sure that my chemo sessions were every Tuesday um, so that I could have Tierra Tuesday. So anyway, that's the the Tierra story. So we moved to Colorado. Um, You know, everything was, Colorado was wonderful. Um, I had always wanted to live in Colorado. Um. But, you know, things as they they happen, 
um, my husband always wanted to, to live in Montana. So he found a job up there, went up, started working. Like I said, October, 2015, I stayed behind to, uh, to pack up the house and, and take care of all the loose ends and leaving my son behind. I mean, he has a wonderful support system down there. Um, he had a girlfriend at the time who is now his wife and it, it wasn't, I didn't feel as bad leaving him, but it was still hard. And, you know, the flights from Missoula to Denver, not bad. So, um, I go down there twice a year and it's, it's really not that bad. Um, as, as he told me, mom, even if you stayed here, we'll probably see each other more when you move than if you stay here, <laughs> which is, is not untrue because he was in college. Um, no, he had just graduated college when, when we left and he had a job and he had this serious girlfriend and, you know, he was starting his life. And there comes a time as a parent where you have to realize that, you know, you're, you're there for your kids when you need, when they need you. And then you have to let them go. So I think it, it, Overall, I think it was a very good move. Yes, it was hard. It was very hard. But um, I think overall for everyone, it gave him the space to become his own person, to develop, you know, uh, they've developed a family. Um, I have a grandchild. I love him. He's wonderful. Um, he's two and a half and he's fantastic. Um, but, you know, from, from stressful comes good. So I've always been the type of person that has looked at the, the positive side. So anytime anything bad happens, and I've had a lot of bad happen in my life, uh, I always look at, okay, well, what am I supposed to learn from this? And then really think about, you know, all the different aspects of it and, and how, how I can, I don't want to say the term make lemonade out of lemons because I hate that whole thing, but it's, it's how I can make a positive situation out of a negative situation. So, um, after I got to Montana, you know, I had a doctor's appointment cause right before I'd left, um, I had found a lump on my breast and I was like, well, that can't possibly be because I don't get that kind of stuff. And we didn't have insurance at the time because my husband had just moved. You don't get, in you don't have insurance for like three months and, you know, into the job. So I had to wait. Well, I got up there, you know, did the mammogram, nothing showed up on the mammogram, um, which was disturbing that the ultrasound and nothing really showed up on the ultrasound. And the doctor's like, well, I know there's something there. <laughs> so we went weeks of testing and biopsies and, and just trying to get medical records from Colorado. And I finally started treatment, um, in February of 2016. So it was, it was probably a month and a half from the time I got to Montana to the time I started, um, treatment. Uh, at the time we were living in apartments across from the hospital because my husband works at the hospital. So it was very convenient and I could just kind of walk back and forth and, and that was great. 
Um, then while I was in chemo, which that's a whole scary story thing, but, um, you know, I made it through, obviously I'm here. Uh, we decided that we were going to buy a house. Uh, it was April. I think it was April. We, we finally moved in and this house was a complete just, Oh my God. We still live in the house. Um, my husband has practically gutted the entire thing and redone everything because we walked in and <laughs> I just remember the the realtor was like, are you really sure that you want to look at this house? It was it was bad. It was a rental for a while, but it was on six acres and all of the neighbors had acreage. So we're kind of out in the middle of, you know, I can't see the neighbors. Um, we're in the woods. We're on the mountain. It's it's very peaceful. So there are some very good pros to it. But here I am in chemo dealing with all that while my husband guts the kitchen. So I have no kitchen. And not that I was eating a whole lot anyway, but... Sometimes it's nice to just have a kitchen. So we had the um, the kitchen table <laughs> pushed up against the wall and a toaster. We had the camping grill outside and it was just it was it was like camping, but um, kind of with a roof over our heads, sort of. So we didn't, you know, he pulled up all the flooring, we did all this. And I just, I just nodded and smiled because it kept him busy um, because he was dealing with a lot of, a lot of stress. I mean, new job, wife just diagnosed um, and, and it was, it was a rough spot. Um, I, I worry you know, you'll hear me when anytime I talk about um, the cancer thing, I worry more about my husband because being the caregiver and being the person who has to watch um, the one you love go through all this, knowing that there's nothing you can do is probably harder um, than going through it. At least that's my opinion. Feel free to argue with me if you would like. So you know, we, we've been going through this fixing the house and he's a big disc golf player. So he finally ordered baskets for the property and he has his own disc golf course. And we'll talk about that. I'm sure at, at, in length. And, um, you know, I, I, just kind of, I just kept poking along while I was, was in chemo. I'm the type of person that I need to keep busy. I need to do something to distract me and sitting there watching the TV and, and kind of zoning out. Uh, it's just not, it's not who I am. So I came up with, I was going to plan what I was going to do after treatment, which was I was going to pick up the event planning business that I had tried to start before my mother died. 
Okay. So I had all the, you know, everything planned out. I did a bunch of research. I, I thought I was very prepared for it. Um, and then see, I ended treatment uh, November of 2016 and then April of 2017, um, I had my first wedding that I did. And at first it was, I mean, it was wonderful. It was great. Um, I enjoyed it. It was, um, it was interesting. I made a lot of, a lot of friends, a lot of contacts along the way. Um, I set up a lot of networking meetings and just plowed forward. And, you know, we'll talk more about the business and, and the pros and cons of all that, but the fact is it kept me going and it, um, but I, I was not prepared um, in the least for how the business would, the direction that it would go. And um, then there, you know, the COVID and, and trying to get through all that. So there were a lot of learning lessons through all that. Um, but we just, you know, we kept going. My son got married. That was fantastic. As a wedding planner, I did, I think I did very well. I told my, my to be daughter-in-law, I'm like, if you need help, fantastic. If not, I will just back away. And she, you know, like most bride, they want to do everything themselves. And then on the day of the wedding, I just remember her handing me a list and she's like, can you check this stuff for me? So, you know, I checked, make sure everything was, was okay before um, the guests arrived. And it was the most fantastic day of my life. I think I danced from the first song to the last song. Um, I, I think I did sit down to eat for, for a bit, but um, it was, it was just the most amazing time ever. And I wish they would do it again. I don't know. It just, it just, being a guest at a wedding, you know, when it's your son's wedding, it's, it's just, it's special. So I have, I always have a, a special place in my heart for the mothers of the grooms, just because they kind of they get overlooked. I mean, the fathers of the grooms get overlooked probably more than everybody, but the mothers of, of the grooms kind of um, play second fiddle to the, the mothers, the brides and the fathers, the brides and, and everything else. But um, so they're, they stayed in Colorado. They're still there. My, my grandson was born, um, in 2020. So during, during COVID and I went down there, um, to be with them, to help out during all that. And, you know, things just, things are going good. Things are just absolutely fabulous. And then I was supposed to change meds for something. And I insisted on having a, um, them check my heart just because I have a, a, a family history of heart disease. So I wanted it's just, you know, I was just like, humor me, let's just check it to make sure, you know, no big deal. So I go to the cardiologist and, and they do a, they did actually did a CT with contrast so they could actually see my heart pumping. 
And they did this. And then I get those results and there's words like metastatic and all this other stuff. (laughs) And I'm like, it didn't hit me. And I'm like, huh, I don't know what that means, but you know, I'm, because I was so worried about my heart and my lungs that that's what I was looking for. So this was before, this was before Thanksgiving and we were going down to see, to see the kids um, for Thanksgiving and go to another wedding, which I was a guest at, which was another amazing wedding. I loved it. Um, And, you know, so my, my daughter-in-law's a nurse and, you know, I'm just like, she's like, are you okay? So I was telling her, you know, just kind of heads up. I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just kind of freaking out a little bit. So, you know, uh, when I got back, um, we, we did some more tests. Um, we did a PET scan and yeah, that's, that's when we, we, I, I got the report back and, and it was confirmed that, um, the cancer had moved to my sternum, my pelvis, my ribs, my spine. And I was like, oh, well, so when you get news that you have metastatic anything and stage four and people are like, oh my God, you know, the first thing you think is that you're going to die within the next couple months. And it's scary because, you know, um, my mother-in-law had pancreatic cancer. My stepfather had pancreatic cancer. Um, my grandmother on my dad's side had stomach cancer. My mother, my grandmother on my mother's side had lung cancer and everybody like died with <laughs> shortly after they were diagnosed. So to me, I was like, oh, well, I need to start getting everything in order. And my husband's like, well, you need to stop working. And, you know, we have to, we have to figure out what we're going to do. And there was this like panic thing. Well, when you don't have the facts and you don't have knowledge and, it, you know, it's things are scary. And yes, knowledge is power. Knowledge is also strength. So I... I did so much research and I did, I think I've read, I don't know. I I listened to webinars. I read everything I could. Um, I joined every group and I found that um, metastatic breast cancer is not, there's not a lot of support for it. You know, it's, it's almost like, Hey, you've got stage four, you're going to (laughs) die. We're not going to waste our time. That was kind of the feeling that I was getting, which kind of, again, made me freak out a little bit more. But the more I talked to people, um, I had friends who told me stories about, you know, their mother or their sister who went through it and it's been 12 years and they're fine. And, you know, the more people I started talking to and the deeper I got into it, the more I realized that you know, they, they give this, um, this range. Cause the first thing you do is, is when you, when you're diagnosed for cancer is you're like, oh my gosh, how much time do I have? So, you know, and, and the stats for the, the, um, I'm, I'm estrogen, progesterone, um, positive and HER2 negative. 
so it's it's estrogen uh, driven, and depending which is which is a totally different animal than some of these other cancers that are not driven by hormones. So that in itself is a whole different ball game. So again, talking to people, getting into some of these these chat groups and and um, I, I found a, a group called Metaviver that I'm a part of now. And you know, there's there's all these things that you have to really dig deep to find them. And I'm like, well, this is ridiculous. So I'm, because I'm who I am, I'm like, okay, well, I have to, to be an advocate and I have to try to, to help people because when I got told you're going to die from this, I was like, it's kind of freaked me out a little bit. I'm not going to lie. And it's scary. And when you don't know things, it's scary. So there's all these people who are being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer who I'm thinking are feeling the same way I am. And you're just like, you're in shock. You're just like, oh my God, what, what now? So the Metaviver group, I went through this training and, and, you know, all this stuff. Um, So now I'm a, a peer to peer group leader and my mission has become to help people understand metastatic. Um, it's not, it, it I, I don't want to, I, for so many years, I, I ignored the cancer thing. I didn't want it to define me. I didn't want to be known as, you know, a survivor, a, you know, whatever, the, the cutesy pink frilly everything. I didn't want to be identified as that. But then stage four happened and I realized that, you know, I'm going to live with this for the rest of my life. It is part of who I am. Whereas when you have early stage breast cancer, you know, you're, you can be cured. Um, You can beat it. You can, you know, there are so many people that they never, they never have a reoccurrence. They, they never have, it never advances past, you know, their initial diagnosis. And I, I just, I don't think people understand that once you're metastatic, there is no cure. There's treatment that can help prolong and, and keep it under control. But there is no way to cure it yet. And so I've decided that I can either sit back and wait and count, you know, just mark days off, or I can, I can do something. Um, like I, I, I think I said, my, my husband wanted me to stop working and, you know, just concentrate on taking care of myself. And I started thinking about, okay, well, what does taking care of myself mean to me? And sitting around and, you know, doing yoga and, you know, doing all these self-care things, that's wonderful. And yes, do I do that stuff? I absolutely do. But I need to keep going. And I, I told everybody when I announced this that 
I'm going to keep going until I can't anymore. Um, it's, it's to me, I'm looking at it as having a, um, a chronic disease. Um, you know, I, I, again, talking to my cousin, cause you know, we have to, we have to like rationalize everything out that people who have AIDS, I don't know that I don't I don't know a whole lot about it, but I don't necessarily think there's a cure. There's a treatment that keeps you, you know, that keeps everything. Um, MS, uh, you know, there's there's all these different diseases, lupus, uh, you know, that that there's treatment for to keep you going and to help with your quality of life. And I, I am looking at metastatic breast cancer the same way. Um, you know, if it was, if I had pancreatic cancer or lung cancer, I would be saying a lot of different words, but because it's breast cancer and it's in the bones, um, you know, I, I really, really think that if I slowed down, it would hurt um, it would hurt me and it would not be taking care of myself and it, it would be completely against everything that I was trying to accomplish. So, you know, because exercise and moving is very important. Uh, so that's what I'm doing. And, you know, as I was going through my, well, what am I going to do? That's again, we're coming back to this podcast where, you know, I want to, I want to get into, I want to talk to people. I want to, I'm a social person. I want to talk. I want to have people on. I want to, I want to pick brains. I want to share information. So that's kind of my story. Um, from, from birth till now, I know I said Reader's Digest, trust me, that was Reader's Digest. Um, so hopefully, my first guest will be my cousin, um, who, like I said, I'm going to talk a lot about. So we're just going to put him on first thing so that you can, when I reference him in the future, you know what I'm talking about and you'll have a better sense of, of um, what's going on there. So if you have questions, if you have comments, um, you can write them in the comment section. Um, you can go to my page, ericasherrick.com and um, you can send me a message there or you can send me an email at erica, E-R-I-K-A dot Sherrick, S-H-E-R-E-K at gmail.com. Thank you for listening today and um, go work on your inner diva. Bye-bye.